Hello, all you wonderful listeners. This is Julie Baumgartner, and welcome to another episode of Rise Up with Julie Baumgartner, where we talk with specialists in their field of expertise to encourage, motivate, and equip those with big dreams to rise up and achieve their goals. Our guests bring valuable tips and resources to apply to your own life and go forward on your path to success. Our guests have a following either because of their expertise, have given back and invested in their communities, or have engaged in relationship building contributing to their success. Today on Rise Up, we have a young businesswoman who not only survived the pandemic, but has thrived. She created innovative ways to do business and be both accessible and provide convenience to her customers during uncertain times. She recently just expanded and launched an additional location for business. She is an inspiration and her story will motivate you towards success. Today, we welcome Katie Gould. Thank you for being here, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. So, Katie, you were born and raised in California. You met your husband while he was serving in the Navy there. Then after that, you both moved to Australia in Sydney, and that was where your dream first began. Tell us how that all started. Well, I had worked at a coffee shop when I lived in Lake Tahoe in California, but it just wasn't quite the same. So my first real exposure to freshly roasted coffee and the craft of coffee was while we were living in Sydney. My husband was attending Hillsong International Leadership College for music ministry. And um, during our time there, I worked as a barista for a coffee roasting company. So they started training me from the basics, the, the farms where the coffee is grown, the roasting process and what sets it apart. You know, um, they call it third wave coffee. There are lots of different names for it, but I really was intrigued mostly by what happened over a cup of coffee. It's bringing people together, the community, and just the environment that the coffee itself can cultivate. So I love coffee, but that's where my real heart was, was to provide some kind of safe space for people. And really, I had a vision of having a coffee shop, but I had no idea how to get there and kind of just became a dream that I kind of just sat with for several years. So how many, what was the time span between when you were working as a barista and then you moved back to the United States, Mm -hmm. you had a family, and I know there was like a a 10-year period just under 10 years. You know, I'm, I'm very practical. So we just, you know, we were both going to school. We started a family, had four children, and kind of just sat with that dream, it, you know, kind of on the back burner, but knowing that I still had the passion for it, just didn't know how to execute at that time. So it kind of took my husband saying, hey, you you remember you wanted to do this like let's talk about this again so that's pretty much how it started we had settled here in fort smith saw a really a need for fresh roasted coffee a little more coffee culture here so we started hobby roasting for ourselves that just means we literally started on a little popcorn popper like from the 80s roasting coffee in our kitchen and then upgraded to larger roasters so that we could actually start giving them as gifts to friends and family and then there was an interest we saw 
hey, this is something interesting. People don't know what coffee roasting is. We have an opportunity to educate them. And so that's kind of how it started. Why do you think he chose the timing he did to kind of refresh that dream within you? Probably because we knew we were probably finished having children (laughs) after four. It's a litter. And I think, you know, he's always, he's had the heart of entrepreneurship also. And so I think that he saw it as an opportunity also in a practical sense to get out of what he was doing. Also, he was working nights at Gerber and that's not ideal for a family of six. And so it really just caused us to think, okay, like, do do we want to make something, you know, for ourselves? So we want to work for ourselves. So maybe we should start seeing if the timing's right. You know, we wanted to take the proper steps also. So it wasn't like a conversation where we decided we're going to open a coffee shop. It was like, let's start, let's take some baby steps to get there. So at least we're moving in that direction. So you started out, it had the name Hawk and Horse. Yes. Tell me how that originated. So we, we really, we played around with, with different names that, that meant they were all significant to us in some way, but that one really stuck because it was, you know, we, we had, we liked the idea of something strong and free and, you know, wild and just kind of adventurous is the best way I can describe it. But it was kind of, that name was solidified for us. There's a Shakespearean sonnet that talks about a love that that's greater than earthly pleasures. And it says of more delight than hawks and horses be. And it's talking about God's love for us and that it's greater than, than earthly possessions and, and whatnot. So that really, that solidified it for us. That's and <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it stuck with us and we still have the logo, which we may get there. We went through a name change, but we kept the logo. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you all design the logo or did you pay for someone to do it? Starting so, out, that can be a challenge. Yes. So we worked with actually my husband's cousin, Crystal Lum. Her husband, Aaron, has he just did graphic design on the side pretty much. It's kind of a side hustle. And so we worked with him. We just collaborated to, to come up with a, just a very simple clear logo that's stuck with us the whole time even through the name change so so this was in 2014 and then in the period of about two years from in 2016 Mm -hmm. you went from just roasting in your kitchen Mm -hmm. and selling to those who were interested Mm -hmm. to actually considering and renovating property to open your first brick and mortar. Yeah. So tell me how those plans originated. So we, of course, we, so when we got a larger coffee roaster that we were able to produce more coffee, I started going every Saturday morning to the farmer's market down downtown and also set up a shelf at Brick City to sell our beans and really kind of get the word out about us, start branding ourselves. That part was really important, I believe, because it allowed me to make that personal connection with everybody when while we're still really small, you know, grassroots. And 
we knew we had to be patient because you know we didn't want to rush into anything so we needed to wait for financing to line up and the right location we started we talked to you know we we were approached by a couple different investors early on that kind of even though we didn't end up you know doing business you know being partners with them it kind of helped propel the process because it it let us see like wow people people are in like we have something it's worth investing in it's mm-hmm. yes and and it was like okay I think the timing is probably right we have something we have a vision for what this could be and so we just waited for the the right fit as far as financing for that to line up and then started just casually looking at locations and the building at 1101 Rogers was not listed for sale or lease. It was being leased at the time just for like storage and parking purposes. So anyway, but we saw something in that building. We saw what it could be, you know, a corner that was kind of gray and, and you know, lackluster. We, we, we saw, hey, this, 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 there's potential there. So we pursued, we knew kind of the right person to ask and it was an immediate like, yeah, that let's do it. <laughs> so I think people people were ready for some progress downtown. So yes, yes, location is everything. They say. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I don't want to get too personal with your finance, mm-hmm. but if someone had a dream in their heart and they're like, you know, I don't even know how to begin the process of, you know, maybe they don't have investors, right? But did you have a business plan? What all was involved? So we ended up going with actually a personal investor. It's actually a family, extended family of mine who kind of saw that we were wanting to make something happen. It was kind God has lined up these steps, I really feel, because we were in talks with, you know, another investor and, and just trying to pursue other routes. But they were like, hey, we see what you're doing and we we want to help you get there so it was really that's the truth is is yes we went through the whole business plan and everything because we wanted to do it the right way definitely not a handout or you know very much professionally set up is this is what I'm saying but but yeah so we went through it we actually kind of developed two different business plans but you know kind of a bare bones like if we're if we have this many customers an hour we'll be able to stay afloat, you know, and then we kind of projected, you know, higher volume and we've, ex- we've exceeded what we had even anticipated and, and we got there pretty quickly, but, but that is, that's how that happened. So for us, but they had seen your hustle. Oh yeah. And I, and I think that's important. <laughs> yes. Um, they had when, seen all the hard work, yes. the, the, the foundation that from the grassroots beginnings, you know, they had seen what we had already been building for ourselves and that we were serious. It's, and that's, that's crucial for sure. Well, how many hours did you work? Oh gosh. Probably the first, let's say the first on a daily basis, probably the first three months. What was your workload like? When we first opened the brick and mortar, mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was there. So we, we launched that location with the hours that we currently have, which is 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week. So we came out 
of the gate running, you know, with Starbucks style hours, but for a, a little mom and pop. So we knew it was bold. We knew it was risky. We had many people say, you know, recommend that we do not do that, but we did it anyway. And yeah, those first three months I was there from open to close every single day of the week. And my husband was still working his job during that during that time for, for the first little bit less than six months, I think. But but yep, I was there I was there all the time. So, you know, five thirty AM to at least 10 30 11 at night seven days a week so it was not easy now I don't regret it we had we made our family life work and I think the only reason that worked is because we were 100% committed to me being able to step back as soon as possible started very quickly delegating tasks to other people because we knew our kids like the six of us our crew that's number one. So, but we knew it was like short-term sacrifice. So if we hadn't have had that mindset and, and I can tend to be a workaholic sometimes. So I had my husband saying, nope, we're going to set boundaries, you know, and it, you know, having a partner to do that with and to encourage you like that, that was huge for me. So he would bring the kids to me and, and we made it work. It was, that was not an easy first few months. That was very difficult. Did you have staff? Yes. So we we started with, we actually, our very first hire, Trevor, he is still with us. He started coming around before we even opened, and he's actually moved up. He's our head coffee roaster at this point. But we started with, it was myself and I think three three other employees and then very quickly you know we did a little two-week soft open where we tried out a few different hours here and there just to make sure our equipment was efficient you know where there were any deficiencies you know like for example we we needed an, a large ice maker and we realized that within the first week of soft open it's like okay yeah we have to invest in a larger machine you know things like that it's just the nitty-gritty like ironing out details and so yeah so I started you know we started interviewing and hiring more people um, because we were seeing hey people are they're they're coming (laughs) they're coming to see us they they want the product that we have they want the environment that we've created and we were very blessed so we as we were growing and seeing that volume increase we started adding additional employees at this point we have 17 did but you, it was slow did you train everyone oh yes you yeah. personally train everyone yes and i still so at this point i still do like the initial crash course training with all the new hires you know i do an orientation with them and just kind of a an introduction to our to our business and what to expect and and just kind of an overview. I walk them through the shop and introduce them to our, you know, our process of making food, making, preparing coffee. And so I still like to do that, that initial training with people, but then I pass it on to our supervisors who then take over. But at that time, yes, I trained all of, all of them. Has the business side of it aligned with your passion or would you prefer it just be more more of how it started relationships just tell us a little bit about that tell us the the pros and the cons so i've learned a lot about myself in the last three and a half years since we opened so it has fulfilled 
my expectations and my dream of bringing people together. I see that happen. I've seen first dates there. I've seen business meetings, Bible studies, you know, study sessions. It's absolutely 100% met those expectations. We've had proposals there, weddings. We had someone get married there. And what it's turned into for me is I get to observe and I'm not maybe quite as hands-on with the customers anymore. I'm still, I am still there. People still know me if they're regular. Most of the time I'm, I'm going to know their name and their drink, but it's turned into also an opportunity for me to get to know our crew. So we have 17 people on staff at this point. I'm kind of more focused on cultivating those relationships, building them up, you know, just caring for them well. So that's really, it's become more than what I even expected so now the the like the grind of it you know all the business stuff that can be definitely burdensome and I've had to learn you know for myself how to develop my leadership skills so that I don't get burned out you know and when I feel myself getting burned out I at least feel equipped with the tools to be able to kind of heal and and step back a bit so Yes, it's, it is, I do not want to go back to the grassroots days. I'm so glad that I had them, but now this has become, I don't know, something better even to me. Have you taken a vacation since your first initial launch? Yes. You have? Yes. How long was that before you were able to? You know, we had planned a one week trip back to Cap back to California for it was my grandmother's 80th birthday and and my mom's 60th and 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 my mom my mom is mentally and physically disabled she's in a home in California and so it was really important to keep those connections and so actually we went for one week uh, less than four months after we opened amazing yeah amazing our whole family all six of us went and so we were we were and it was scary you know because you know I don't consider myself a controlling person but you realize kind of how much you like to micromanage when you have to step back and say okay all right Mm -hmm. you got this right (laughs) you know and and but I was able to I mean I was so thankful and everything was okay you know we got back everything was still standing no catastrophes. So, great. You also had a name change. You yes. went from Hawk and Horse mm-hmm. to Fort Smith Coffee Company. Yes. When did that happen, and why did that happen? So it happened while we were renovating that building. So it was actually the perfect timing, and this is what I mean by I feel like God's kind of been part of each like step of this, even in stuff that appears to be you know, a challenge. It's been anyway. uh, So we, when we chose our name, I told you how, how that came about. Well, after we chose it, this is the first time I've talked about this part publicly, but, uh, but this is the truth of it. So after we chose that name, I started using that hashtag a lot. I was very engaged on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, and started noticing that there was another hawk and horse. It was a vineyard 
in California. So I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, oh, that's random. Like that, that's such a strange name to have duplicated. We, we did not know about it when we first launched our business. But anyway, started seeing that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not too worried about it. It's a vineyard. It's in California. You know, we're not in the same, you know, under the same umbrella. Well, I guess technically we were um, because we're under food and beverage. And so they somehow had a had a problem with a mom and pop coffee company in in Arkansas, you know, using that name. So they actually sent us a cease and desist letter. And of course, in that moment, there was a little panic, you know, like, whoa, this is this is who we are like you know, this name is significant to us. We, of course, we never meant to step on anyone's toes. It ended up being, we feel, the best thing that could have happened <laughs> because Hawk and Horse is, it, it's an interesting name, but we feel like, so, so we started researching coffee culture in Fort Smith when we found out we were going to, well, when we found out when we started renovations, we really started researching. We had found that there used to be, in 1904, they were formed um, a Fort Smith Coffee Company, located down where the Ferris wheel is, one of the top importers of Brazilian coffee for their time. Very established. We were able to research, found old photos of their, of their facilities, learned a lot about, uh, a lot more about them. There, they somehow dissolved it. The trail ends in the 40s. So we realized there's an opportunity here, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to scoop up that name and make it ours. And who's to say we can't keep our logo, you know? And so that that's how that happened. We, we decided on that name. We, after playing around with a few different things, we're like, this is the fit. This is it. You know, we want to put a stamp on the city anyway. Mm-hmm. So... Well, it really explains who you are more so. I mean, Hawk and Horse is beautiful, but you don't think of coffee right. automatically. But there's no doubt in anyone's mind as far as branding Fort right. Smith Coffee Company to thriving coffee shop. I admired your presence on social media. It stood out to me. Were you intentional with that? Very. Did you have help with that? Because you do an excellent job. Thank you. I've always handled all of our social media. We have, I take all of the photos unless I'll give credit if it's someone else like, you know, because at this point, photographers like to come and, and take photos, you know, in the shops and stuff like that. So sometimes they'll share things, but I'll always credit them if it's someone else's photo. But really, I wanted to take people along the process with us. You know, I wanted to show them like, hey, here's what we're doing today. Like we're tearing down a wall. <laughs> you know, we're, we are hands-on with this project um, here getting re- I wanted people excited and engaged. I felt like that was really important uh, to, you know, getting people ready for us to be there and kind of, you know, having that customer base just ready the second we opened our doors. So yeah, it was to build, build, anticipation and and also get people engaged and supportive of what we were doing same reason why when we were renovating we kept all the windows open we didn't board anything off or close anything down we wanted people to see what was going on behind the closed doors and and getting it ready for for customers so 
so yeah, that, it was definitely intentional and it was a really great platform for us. So in 2014, you started roasting coffee in your kitchen. In 2016, you began renovating and preparing for your first brick and mortar location. And then you quickly were in a few other shops in town. And then 2019, you were considering and planning your second brick and mortar location. Yes. 2020, COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic, <laughs> you successfully opened another location and it's gorgeous. Tell us, I want to hear this story. How did that happen? So we initially, we were, we had a little offsite baking location where we also served coffee, but we were trying to do all of our baking at out of a space inside the shops at Brick City. And it definitely served its purpose, but we knew that we were growing out of it. We knew that we were going to need to produce a lot more um, because we've always baked all of our own pastries. So we started, we also knew that we wanted to upgrade our coffee roaster. We had two very small coffee roasters that really served us very well for for almost two years, but we knew we wanted to get into the wholesale coffee realm, and that was going to also take more space. So we had heard that the Hannahs were renovating the bakery district, which used to be the old Shipley baking. People tell stories of how they smelled bread, you know, baking in the air downtown years ago, but but it had it had stayed vacant for quite some time. So they were renovating this space and I kind of mentioned to them, hey, we we're looking for another place to really expand our coffee roasting operations. Could this, you know, could this be a good fit? And they were like, yeah, let's keep talking. So, so that's, it really, it started with just like a simple text conversation. And then we actually sat down with them, toured the facility, kind of scoped out this whole, I mean, it's just a beautiful, cool, quirky location, the whole thing, and kind of decided we wanted easy access to our space, started looking at bigger picture, like, okay, this, this has potential to be much more than just a coffee roasting facility. We're like, okay, we can serve customers here. So it was really kind of a, a step process. We, and we thought we need a bigger space for baking. So we started seeing, okay, this can be a second location for us. And it's a little bit strange that it's less than a mile from our original location. And we understand that people are like, does that make sense? I'm like, well, it does for us. Mm -hmm. This is, this is, it absolutely makes sense. So we have the space to expand our coffee roasting. We have so much more space for baking because that's kind of been a, it's been a side note for us, you know, just something to support our business. But really, we and our crew has a heart for like fresh baked goods. So, so we, you know, we had several meetings with the Hannah's amazing people to work with felt immediate peace about, you know, kind of partnering with them in this. They're so fair as far as rent. So I'm just saying that's part of what makes it so worth it to us. And it just, it just made sense. We, from, you know, and then we started designing, designing the space. It was a collaborative effort. They did a lot of the front end stuff. So, or I should say the foundational stuff. 
because clearly, you know, it needed new HVAC and plumbing and and electric and, and all that stuff. So they also installed our planters for us. And then essentially we, we came in and finished the space out. So which actually it got handed over to us to finish it out like around the 1st of March. This year? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. So... That's kind of, that's the timeline is, is they had finished all the foundational stuff and then it was up to us and we were, we were going to open, you know, in April, that was kind of the, the initial goal. And so clearly that it kind of was tabled and, and so fortunately they, they were so understanding and as well as the build our 1101 Rogers Avenue building, our landlord there, like everyone is so supportive in this community I just I love it because they're like hey anything you need you doing okay like you know we can you know put rent off a couple months if we need to or you know so those are the kind of things that were being brought to us so it just made us feel very safe in a very scary time you know when when COVID first hit and and businesses were getting you know shut down so it gave us permission to take a pause so we did for a couple months just to get our footing figure out you know funding fortunately we have a lot of great opportunities for you know loans and grants and stuff through through this time that we were able to take advantage of and you know we really when we first heard that that, you know, restaurants had to be shut down. We're like, what are we going to do? Okay, this is, we've we've got to innovate and adapt immediately. This isn't, we're not going to wait. We can't pause. We've got to keep going. Mm -hmm. So we... um, Now, this is your first location. First location. I'm sorry. And I want to tell our listeners, it's, it's a very cool, trendy, it's an excellent location. Just visually sets the atmosphere, but... I know because I've been there, and unless others have as well, there might be a few parking challenges. <laughs> yes, that's our biggest and challenge. So when I first and I and I saw it on social media, mm-hmm. you were going to open a drive-through mm-hmm. to still be able to meet the needs of your customers, and I'm thinking, okay, I don't know how they're going to do that, but more power to them. You made it happen. I think you proved something to other businesses that if you have a product that is quality and has a good reputation that certain challenges do not matter as much as you think they do because if you make yourself accessible and available to your customers the rewards will are that they will still continue to be your customers so we immediately started brainstorming um trying to think what can we do here man I wish we had a drive-through we, we it's it was never part of our vision obviously to have a drive-through in that location we thought well we could do curbside you know and that's that's worked well for a lot of businesses but we're we want to make this as accessible as possible if we're going to be closed for dine in we can take up the parking lot I believe it was Gabe my husband who first said what if we try to do a drive-through and I may have, I don't remember clearly, but I am, I wouldn't be surprised if my reaction at first was like, how? <laughs> like, you're crazy. But it was, it was a decision that we knew we had to be 
quick about and as resourceful as possible. So we decided, I mean, this was like in one day, we decided, okay, we're going to do a drive-through. We're going to do it. Cars can pull in here. We have these old windows that can pop open and then they can wrap around the building. We'll just need to get some, some cones and like, you know, get some signs printed and yeah, yeah, we're going to make this work. <laughs> so we actually, we borrowed cones and barrels from our kids' school. And the the head of school came and actually helped us drop them off. And we just kind of pooled our resources that we knew, knew of to kind of help in that process. And yeah, overnight, we, we had it ready, ready to go by 6 a.m. the next morning. You adapted. So we adapted. Did you have any period of time where you were closed for business? No. No. Wow. <laughs> so we, we just kept on going. Now, our sales did did drop for for two or three weeks significantly. I think maybe because there was a lot of fear, you know, people weren't going out. But no, we, we, we just kept right on going because that, that's what we've always tried to do is be as available for our customers as possible. That's why we're open 363 days a year and why we did not close during that time. How did you, you and your husband deal with the drop in sales? We communicated with our staff as a whole, said, hey guys, we are being hit hard, just like everybody right now. Does anyone want to volunteer to, to stay home for a while? Hopefully you can draw unemployment. I said, we, we, because they know that we love them. We didn't want to have to lay people off, but we did. We had four people who chose to stay home. They were only out for for three weeks, I think, before we brought them back. So it was a very short time period, but we just, we tried to be as gentle as we could with our staff. And we knew, okay, things are going to be tight. We started kind of planning for it to remain that way, just out of practicality we wanted to make sure that we were prepared for sales to stay low but as soon as they people saw that we had the drive-through we worked out some of the kinks we got a better overpass thanks to a group of our guy friends who built us a little I don't even know awning covering for the ordering window so I think once some of those details got ironed out and then I, I launched a free delivery Friday where I where I started personally delivering you know, half gallon jugs of lattes, baked goods to people's doorsteps around town. People really got on board. And I think there was a big movement to support local. Also, people were like, okay, the big guys are going to be just fine. You know, you know, Starbucks, they'll be fine. Walmart, they'll be fine. But hey, we've got to support the mom and pops. And they did. They came out. And yeah, very quickly, we got everyone, everyone back. And then with the addition of this location we've added five new staff members so yes there was a little little period of time where the sales dropped and we we adapted and but then it's gone right back up was there ever a time when really the the severity of it first hit was there ever a time mentally or emotionally you thought what are we going to do yeah absolutely it was really that day when we found out that we were going to have to close for dine-in service and again that was my vision was a place to bring people together and so 
that was a devastating blow. And, you know, we went through all the worst case scenarios like, okay, we're going to, you know, you and I can run run this place and we'll keep, you know, a few core people and we can make it work. It'll, it'll be okay. We kind of had to keep talking ourselves up and just have a lot of trust that everything was going to be okay. But, you know, and then when we had to talk to our employees about, does anyone volunteer to stay home and go on unemployment for, we, we weren't sure how long that was going to last that I yeah I, I cried a lot during that time just to be honest because it's I really love our crew and so that's not something that was not something that we took lightly whatsoever so it was scary so to bring people back that was very rewarding oh yes I mean that was it was wonderful to start bringing them back one by one so so you never had the mentality we're done Oh, no. You had the attitude of, we're going to take lemons and make lemonade. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've not once felt, you know, that, that our business won't survive this or anything like that. We've, we've always stayed positive. I, I mean, pretty much. You have the momentary questions, you know, in your mind. But, no, we, we've, there's not been a moment where we thought we might not make it. We knew we were going to survive and adapt. And I think maybe that's part of it is the mentality was just like, no, we're going to press on. Like, it's good. We're just going to keep going. (laughs) We'll be okay. And I think the staff saw that too. So they were like, okay, yeah, everything's going to be okay. It's important when you see, you know, from the top down, you know, it trickles down. What lessons have you learned managing people? I'll tell you the biggest one that I've been learning lately is that you can't avoid the hard conversations. I want to because I love people and I, I don't want to be careful with their hearts, but I tend, I do tend to avoid the hard, the hard talks. So I've learned that I have to be more clear about expectations all around. I've realized that, yeah, I, I tend to be, I think, too easy, give too many chances, and that that in turn isn't fair you know to to the ones who are working really hard and so yeah and and to not take everything so personally like this this is kind of a baby of mine but I can step back that was very freeing was realizing getting the right people in place to be able to then take a step back breathe focus on my family, focus on myself and know that everything was going to be all right. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning all the time. You know, I, I, I see all my imperfections as a leader and want to develop those because I want to be the best I can for my team, for myself. And, and so I'm, I'm always growing those aspects. Did you anticipate a kind of a learning curve into from the time you first launched to having the perfect team in place? It could take some time, but I also knew, like I said, from the very beginning that, that I was determined to get there mm-hmm. because I knew I couldn't keep putting in the hours that I was putting in. And I also learned that you can't, you can't tell if you can trust someone to carry something until you give them the chance and so, yes, so really stepping back and delegating was 
that was very difficult. (laughs) That was very difficult, but so, so rewarding and freeing. I'm still learning to do that because I had to do it all over again with the launch of this second location. You know, I was there from open to close. And so, yeah, for a short period of time, shorter this time before I could start passing it on to, to new people. So, you know, it's, it's always a risk when you trust people and, and, and it's a vulnerable situation to, you know, to step back a bit, but it's always been, it's always been good in this, in this case. So you went from being innovative at your first location to continue business to also completing renovation and opening a second location. Yes. Compare the to and how the openings are different goodness okay so I learned a lot from opening the first location I learned that no matter what plans I have in place they're going to change the second we open the doors so we have to be fluid and adaptable and let our systems processes procedures evolve with the opening we like I said we kind of we paused for a couple months and did not do anything at the bakery and then we realized okay this isn't going away anytime soon we have this lease signed we still need the facility we still need the space to expand our coffee roasting operation to expand baking so we knew we're going to have to take some steps forward soon and there really wasn't any pressure like I said from from our landlords or anything but we we realized okay it's time Let's pick it. Let's pick it back up again. We knew the kids would be out for summer break soon because we were again. We were also having to homeschool, you know, four four kids at different ages and learning yeah, styles during ages, this time. I didn't ask you that. What's that? Tell tell us their ages. Oh, yeah. So our oldest is gonna. Our oldest Jack. He's gonna be thirteen in November. Benjamin and Rebecca just turned ten in July. They're twins, and then our little bit Annabelle. She'll be seven in September. So, so, I mean, it's been a wild, wild, challenging time, but, but we knew that their summer break was coming up. And so we thought, okay, let's just do it. We'll be, we'll be done with their schooling so that, because we really, we co-parent really well and we kind of take turns as far as like, I knew that I would need Gabe to do a lot more of like the manual hands-on labor at the bakery to finish off but I was the one kind of more hands-on with getting the drive-through launched and working out those kinks so he was schooling the kids more while I was getting that you know off the ground and, and operational but we knew those roles would reverse I'd be home more and and he would be doing a lot of the finishing touches of the bakery so we just decided to pick it back up again and and move forward and we so we do, again, we, we do a lot of this stuff ourselves. So I, I did a lot of the tiling along with Lena, who's just an instrumental player. She's a supervisor at um, the bakery location. We tiled the front of the bar ourselves and, and she actually ended up doing more of it. So we, we wore a lot of different hats. And so this is like our crew, like she's a supervisor and barista, but you know. You're tiling. She learned a new skill. Mm-hmm. 
So it was really a collaborative effort. Gabe and Trevor, the one I mentioned earlier, you know, built our countertops and my sister-in-law helped us pick out all our plants for the planters. You know, we made a lot of risky decisions like my fun floral wallpaper and, and we knew, so we have this massive mural on one of the walls in the bakery and it's actually a, a like panoramic view of Fort Smith skyline where the old Fort Smith coffee co was where the original was so we all worked alongside each other I wish I knew how long it took but I want to say maybe it took us six six weeks or so to finish our part and actually soft open and then get to grand opening. I wish I came prepared with dates, but I can't remember. But I, I think it was about six weeks. And, you know, it's the feelings are the same, like the excitement and everything. This one was paired with a little more, like, cautious optimism, <laughs> you know, because of the, you know, the state of the world right now. I mean, we knew it wouldn't be quite as climactic, I guess, because we knew we had restrictions on how many people we can have inside our facility. But we also were really excited. Like the timing ended up working out perfectly because people were ready to come out and sit down for a cup of coffee again. And at our original location, we had to tell, we had to kind of make a promise to the city that when we opened for dine-in seating at that location again, that we would take down the drive-through because it was so, yeah. So it, it was a very temporary solution, but we're still utilizing it because we're not open for dine-in. Well, that gave us an opportunity to then direct our customer base who were ready to come and sit Excellent. down to the new to the new location because it's larger because it's larger we can spread out the tables and chairs we also have a huge patio there it's not ours I say our we but the bakery district has a huge patio right outside our doors that people can utilize to sit you know gather with friends and family we can have events there now because it's safe and yeah people people were ready to come out come out again and and actually sit down for a cup of coffee so it's just nice that during this time we can offer them two options that's great how do you manage your time now between the two locations I kind of float between the two so there there was a time again for probably a few weeks where I was opening and closing, you know, at, at the new location. I knew to expect that. And, but very quickly, we got people hired so that that wouldn't be the case anymore. Myself and Lena were just, we, we were worn out. She put in a lot of hours too. And so now, so anyway, during that time, initially, I I had to invest more of my time there at the new location just to make sure all all of the, you know, loose ends were tied up, procedures polished, you know, things like that. And I also wanted the FaceTime with the customers again. And I think it's important, you know, they, they, I enjoyed talking with them again and inviting them into our new space. So now I kind now I float between the two locations. I actually don't have a set schedule. I just kind of am there, you know, working on things as I need to. And I mean, Gabe and I both just kind of float between the two locations, whatever needs to be done. He does all of the like maintenance. So electrical mechanical work, you know, he learned, he had 
training for that in the Navy. So he handles a lot of that. And I handle a lot of the personnel issues. So, you know, scheduling and, and ordering, you know, everything. I was going to ask you how you divide the responsibilities, what role you have and what role your husband has. And did you set out from the beginning to clearly define those roles? Or how did you work through that? So it was trial and error, and it was not always pretty. <laughs> but we really tried to figure out what our strengths were. And when we first opened the original location, he was still in his full-time job. But when we realized that this was going to be a means to support our whole family, he was able to step out of that. And that was scary, but but he did. And... I've always somehow been more in the limelight, I guess, because I'm more comfortable, you know, in in situations like this and and talking with customers and dealing with with staff issues. You know, that's definitely my strength. And his strength is the he's kind of like the strong, silent type behind the scenes, making sure that everything is working. So he keeps all of our equipment working. We don't have to pay for someone to come and fix our espresso machines, things like that. So he takes care of all of that. He does a lot of the bigger projects. He built a beautiful mobile espresso cart for us out of walnut and little tile on top. And so he executes like the larger projects as far as renovating our locations or, or, you know, building the coffee cart for us, things like that. And keeps, he does all the maintenance behind the scene, quality control. He works with Trevor to develop roast profiles and, and things like that. So I do more of the front end stuff. Uh, That's just how it's kind of sifted out that way. It was definitely not clearly defined in the beginning. So it's taken a lot of hard work on our part to do that. Well, I think you have done an excellent job. I want to give you just a moment to speak to all the people that have a dream in their heart to start their own business, to all the, the business women out there, empower them to follow their dream, and just to all the small business owners who have not quite walked the walk that you have walked yet. What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? What counsel would you give them? How would you encourage them? I would definitely say don't give up on your dream, even if it takes a while. I think that people have visions and dreams for a reason, and maybe it's exactly what they're supposed to do. It just takes a lot of different steps, you know, and maybe a very windy path to get there sometimes. It doesn't have to be perfect, and you're never going to be fully ready for it. And you're going to learn in action. No amount of reading, studying, preparation will actually equip you with everything you need to open so you'll stumble gracefully through it and so I would say you know letting go of the the need for perfection is a big one and being honest transparent in your brand building process the more organic the better and just meaning people want to see the heart of what you're offering you know I've tried to stay away from being too salesy you know even in my social media posts and and my approach to people, I don't try to convince people to stop drinking Folgers just because, you know, just because we have something different to offer them. People want to see your heart and and genuine passion behind what you're presenting. To stay streamlined, you know, and clear about what you're offering is very important. And just to to stick with it and try to be positive. And I and 
it's especially in these times where there's so much uncertainty, the waiting and the patience and the transition time is excruciating for some people. And, and I'm, I'm not good in those seasons necessarily, you know, I have ways to grow and, but just to keep hope and get creative, you know, which I know is hard for people to access the creative part of their brain if they're bogged down by the stress and the worry. So to somehow cultivate those moments for yourself of quiet reflection, self-care, because if you're a more whole person, you're going to be able to see your dreams realized and see that part that you're longing to give people. And then you'll see the sales, you know, then you, then you'll see the financial rewards, but, but yeah. What has been the largest sacrifice that you have given towards seeing your dream come to pass? I guess the largest sacrifice would have been those those periods of time where I had to sacrifice time with my family and the seasons where I have sacrificed my, you know, self-care, you know, things like that. And the thing is, is that they're only momentary. So, but those are going to be the biggest sacrifices and, you know, in a more practical sense, evenings and weekends, because I always have to be kind of on and available because we are open all the time. You know, I have to be ready to answer that call, things like that. But our, our staff is so, is very respectful of our family time. So they're not going to bother me for, for petty things, but, but I guess that would be, it would be, would be the time, but I work really hard to not make that last very long. What has been the biggest reward? The freedom to work for ourselves, to work alongside my husband, to include our kids in our business, to see, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Sorry. It's okay. To see growth in our staff members, to see their personal growth that's been very rewarding so yeah is there anything that you would have done differently (sighs) I know I said that you can't be fully prepared but I wish I would have done a little more diving into leadership skills before I started this process just because I think it would have equipped me a little bit better like right now I'm doing so much work you know reading a lot and just trying to equip myself with a little bit more skill and knowledge in that area. So it would have been helpful. But like I said, we're going to, it's going to be perfectly imperfect, but I would have done a little more. I like that. And I think we're going to end on the imperfectly perfect. Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Rise Up with Julie Baumgartner. Thank you for listening today. Rise up and let's be the best that we can be and listen to this podcast that will both motivate and educate. Thank you.